Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're so thankful, he said. Hallelujah. He's the final voice. Hallelujah. He said I could be free. He said I could be delivered. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's stand together this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. You deserve the glory. he deserves the glory this morning there's just no one like him amen he's our help he's our strength he's our security he's our comforter amen our strength giver in this hour and this time this morning I I just want to take a moment and remember the Claremore Oklahoma church family they suffered the tragic loss of their former pastor and his wife, brother and sister Burris, was suddenly taken away. And Lord knows all things, and he's the only one who knows how to give comfort, strength in this hour, and encouragement to those that are discouraged, amen, to bring hope out of even tragedy, amen. We look at things as human tragedies, we look at them as terrible losses and some things we don't understand here in this world in this life but we'll talk it over in the by and by 
we'll ask the reason. He'll tell us why. Amen. All the questions and wonders and things that we question about, we'll find an answer to. Right now, we don't have all the answers as far as in human abilities, but God is our answer. And so if we can turn to him today with all our hearts. And so let's just bow our heads for a moment as we reflect upon this today. Even on our own frailty of our own humanity, life is but a vapor. We don't know maybe how we could be called away at any moment, any time. Lord, we just bow before you today. We thank you for the grace of God. We thank you for your love and your, your loving kindness to us, your tender mercies. How they're new every morning. We thank you for this time that we can just come and as Job did when he heard the news of uh, that his children were taken away his wealth was taken away and all of the calamities that happened to him in just hours and he heard about it he fell on his face and he worshiped God we worship you today Lord we worship you and thank you for these lives that we treasured, that we got to know a little while here upon the earth. And now they're taken away from us. But we believe that there's coming a grand reunion day where there'll be a thousand years of peace, a great marriage supper of the Lamb, a millennium ahead, and eternities to enjoy with one another. When the sin curse will be lifted from the earth, and even from our bodies for we'll be glorified and in your presence never to be sick never to suffer from mental illness or sickness in the body or any other situation there won't be any tragedies or anything happen there but we'll be there in one great glorious homecoming we love you lord and we thank you for your goodness we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. And we ask, Lord, for the church family there in Oklahoma. And Brother Wendell Martin, as he's ministering there, and they join their church services together to encourage them. I pray, Lord, that somehow that they can receive strength today, that the comfort of the Holy Spirit will come by their way and give them strength as only God can do. To love them as only God can love. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Let's just worship the Lord just a moment, shall we? Let's just raise our hands to God and just worship Him. Lord, we worship you today. In spite of difficulties and troubles and trials upon this earth, in spite of tragic situations, we worship you. And we give you love and we give you praise and glory and honor. For it's all due your great name, Lord, for you are great. And our hope is in you today, Lord. I'm so glad we have you that we can turn to in our hour of need and situations in our lives and hearts. I pray, Lord, that you'll bless us today in your presence now. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. God bless you. I'm going to let you have your seats just a moment. It's good to be in the house of the Lord together. Amen. For those of you that was with us yesterday, we had a wonderful wedding that um, saw some of our children be able to get married. And, and uh, little birdies, we watched them fly from their nest and uh, go to start their own nest. And, you know, it's, um, it's always, um, well, it's, I could say it's even bittersweet. You know, it's on one, one hand, it's um, sweet, and on the other hand, you know, it's um, the, the closing of another chapter in lives. And, and, uh, but, you know, things move along. Amen? And we uh, can rejoice in the Lord that two young Christian people got married. Amen. As a result of that, we got a few visitors in our midst today that have come. Um, we have uh, the Love All family that is here. That we, you know, the, the, the brothers told me in the back room, can't we just keep them? And, and I said, well, you know, we, we could, but it wouldn't be in keeping with our vision that God would have a bride around the world. And so to have them to be in another church and bring the wonderful stability and encouragement there, why, you know, we, we'll just loan them over there, okay? We can just say they're ours, but we'll just loan them to them. Amen. But we, you know, I, I just feel like all the people of God are ours because we're one great big family. Amen. So it's just good to be here together. Also, we have um, a number of the Butts family here today because of, um, you know, Mama Butts is turning 94. She's still a part of this church. She don't get to come no more, but she loves the fact that you pray for her and remember her. She turned 94 years old today, and some of the family is in, and we just want to welcome them today. And also, um, because of the wedding, a very, very special friend of mine came and uh, was part of that, you know, the grandma and grandpa of the bride, and, and brother and sister Ivy are here. I want my friend, brother Ivy, to come down and just greet you here. Amen. God bless you, brother Ivy. Amen. You have a microphone for him. Amen. Nice to have you, Brother Ivy. Thank you for being here with us today. Well, weddings are very special. Um, I believe that they're so special that our Lord Jesus honored them at the very beginning of his ministry. It was one of the first things that he done was to attend a wedding service, a wedding ceremony, rather, and the first miracle that is recorded in the Bible that the Lord Jesus done. Was it a wedding? Yes. And so we know that that is just so very, very important and biblical. I've had people tell me as a pastor, well, I think I'm just going to give my daughter some money and tell them to forget about the wedding, wedding and elope and, you know, the money that would go into that. And, and I said, well, wait a minute, that's not scriptural. <laughs> That would be nice to do that, but that's not scriptural. <laughs> uh, weddings are of the Lord. It started in the book of Genesis. And, um, you know, to us in modern days that we live in, in which God has sent a prophet 
to us at this closing out of the world history and the very modern time that we live in, we see a reproduction of the things that took place in the life of Jesus Christ. And as you have been taught here, I know that as you have been taught here that our message came to us at the opening of the book of the revealing of the word. And Brother Branham, you know, made mention of uh, before he had opened the seals and rededicated the church, the first thing that took place was the um, uh, was a, a wedding ceremony that, that he performed there in, in the tabernacle but before he came to the even the opening of the word. And so, and it meant something to him personally that he would present a bride to God. And I thought that was so wonderful. And I, I remember when we were building our church that I, and I may have told you about it, how I longed that, you know, if God allowed Brother Branham to do that, and it was a witness to him that he would present a bride. And we all as pastors have people that we want to present to Christ through our ministries and I thought to myself, wouldn't it be nice if the same thing could happen for us? And you know, it got right down to the wire, and, and it wasn't expected. It came along that that's exactly what took place. Our first service was a wedding. And I, and I, and I thought, you know, that really means something to me uh, personally, that my ministry there that there's a bride that I will be able to present to him. And, and then uh, maybe a few years later, uh, we had some visitors one Wednesday night come in, a young couple, and they had some little kids, and they were sitting in the, in the back. And w- when we dismissed, and I went out to greet them, and he told me his name. He's from St. Louis or somewhere. And he said, do you remember the couple that Brother Branham married before he opened the seals? I said, yeah. He said, I'm the product of that union. <laughs> I'm their son. And so it just, again, it meant something to me. So just being at a wedding, my granddaughter, means something to me. God bless you. Amen. Thank you, Brother Ivy, and your friendship through the years. Amen. We've got some wonderful things that the Lord is doing. Amen. I'd like to um, just uh, speak about just a couple of them before we uh, go to the Word this morning. Um, you know, we, uh, we know the Lord um, has been doing some mighty, mighty things. And uh, today we have with us um, Sister Pamela Powell. Um, that, uh, that's a sister, Brother Josh McGowan and and um, Sister McGowan back there, man, God bless you. And, and today she wants to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. God knows how to get his own. And uh, her heart has been stirred here for some time now that the Lord's been speaking to her. We also have a, another young lady here that's that um, one of our own that has come back home, uh, one of the prodigals that strayed away and couldn't stay away. Amen. God's been dealing with her heart, Sister Anita. 
that's going to be baptized today, also in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. What a mighty God we serve today. Amen. He knows how to stir the hearts and lives of people. And, you know, um, there that uh, the prodigal, uh, as Brother Branham told the story of it, he, he referred to one night the angel of God come and stirred him and said, you've got better down at your father's house than this pig stuff you've been eating. And I'll tell you, you remember when it stirred your heart and changed your life. Amen. It made a new creature out of you. Amen. What, a, what, what God has done and how he is doing miracles so great among us today. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing the song, Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. As long as we just worship the Lord just a moment, we'll read the word of God and go into the message. Well, I heard an old, old story, how a Savior came from glory, how he made on Calvary to save a wretch like me. Well, I heard about his groaning of his precious blood atoning. Then I repented of my sin and I won the victory. Say it with me now, victory in Jesus my Savior forever he sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood he loved me here i knew him and all my love is due him he plunged me to my broken spirit and somehow Jesus came and brought oh, to me the victory let's sing it now oh victory and Jesus my Savior forever he stopped me and he bought me Well, I heard about a mansion. I'm going to have one. It's going to be about all this tall. It won't be much taller than this. Going to have the same color eyes, dark hair again. Won't be no gray mixed in it. Won't be no feebleness in that mansion. I've heard about a theophany we're going to. I've heard that it's immortal. I've heard there's no death there. I've heard there's no sorrow, no parting, no trouble. I've heard about it. We're going there. Because he left us a promise. I go to prepare a place for you. 
that I'm going to come and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. There's a people that he's desiring in his heart for this morning. Amen. That he's brooding over the earth, collecting his elect, calling them out, no matter where they are, how far away they stray, bringing them back into him. He's here to do it this morning. Amen. He's a God rich in mercy in your life. Well, I heard about the mansion that he has built for me in glory. And I heard about those streets of gold beyond the crystal sea. About the angels and their singing and the old redemption story. And some sweet day I'll sing us there the song of victory. Oh, victory! And Jesus, my Savior, forever he sought me. And he bought me this redeeming love. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing blood. One more time, oh victory, and my Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing blood. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Amen. If you will, will you turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 2? We'll read from the ninth verse. 1 Kings chapter 2 and verse 9. Actually, I'm sorry, I think I want 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 9. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, It shall be so unto thee, but if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. 
And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them into two pieces. And he took also up the mantle of Elijah that fell upon him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the God, the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. And when the sons of the prophets, which were there to view at Jericho, saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I'd like to just share with you just a little quotation here that was said from Christ, the mystery of God revealed, that in the last days it shall come to pass, behold, I send to you Elijah the prophet, and he shall turn the hearts of the children back to the faith of the fathers. And in there, there would come a time forth when he would express himself in fullness of his Godhead, deity through his church, have preeminence in this church. Oh my, what? The anointed man, now the anointed people. Oh my, to bring back the anointed bride and bridegroom. Anointed by why? Accepting what Eve turned down and Adam coming back with the anointing of the word. Because he said, my word is spirit. And see, anointed with the word, what Eve turned down, he comes back and we accept. What a wonderful hour that we're living in this morning. When we think about that we stand back at the very same place that Adam and Eve was. There when they turned down the word of God. When they didn't think he was going to do what he said he would do. That he would not be the same yesterday, today, and forever as it were. And here we are at the end time and we have the opportunity to take the word that was set aside and rejected for the lie of the devil and to come back and we accept that word. Amen. And, and um, we, we go back into Eden again. It's, it's time for another Eden. When we look at the world and the world conditions, the evil of this age and the horrible things that are happening, the insanity that's in the world and things that even creep within our own ranks that of insanity, of just things that you cannot understand or wrap your mind around. It makes you just long for, a, for the coming of that great millennial day when our Lord will come and catch his waiting bride away. And, and today, our, our hearts ought to be filled with an expectancy. Am I knowing that we're here in the end time and fulfilling end time prophecies? And where that you see a, a, a woman, Eve, walking out, leaning on her husband, weeping and crying as they are cast out of Eden. And then we're here on the very other end and we see... As the scripture said in the Song of Solomon, who is that I see leaning on the arm of her beloved? We see another woman that is leaning on the arms of her beloved. And she's not leaving here. The Satan's Eden and this evil age. She's not leaving here a defeated woman. 
She's not leaving here crying and wounded and hurting because of sin, but she is leaving here as an overcomer, as a victorious one. I say it again. Who is that we see leaning on the arms of her beloved? Amen. Her beloved is hers and, and she is his. They are one together for a great marriage supper of the Lamb. We are living in a very special, wonderful hour where God is doing some very awesome things. And that's why today I'm going to speak on the anointed people. Going back to one of the early sermons of Brother Branham, he would make this statement. And the same power, that same Christ, hallelujah, let the fundamentalists, let the people who deny the power of God say it's wrong. But that same power that spoke the world into existence is in those people that's got the Holy Ghost. That's right, men and women, it's time that we found out who you are. The devil is trying to hide you back, tell you that you're a little something, cowed down something. You are not. You are sons and daughters of God. The deity is not in heaven, it's in you. Amen. Amen. I, I know we know there's a God in heaven. I know we know there's a deity in heaven. But what we want to see deity expressed is in us. Amen. A God that is out of touch is no God at all. Amen. He's got to be here among us and in the hearts and lives of God's people working in his saints. Amen. An overcoming church. Jesus would say in John 14, 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me is our believer this morning. Amen. Amen. Then the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. What unfailing words of promise. I want you to know these were not the words of a philosopher. These were not the words of just history. These were not the words of a great, a, a great politician. These are the words of God himself spoken by the very body that he created to demonstrate his life through Jesus Christ. Amen. Who says again, you know, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall ye do also. But not just my works, but greater than these shall you do. Amen. This word, if you notice, verse 12, look at it again. I want you to notice it starts with the word verily. Verily. Verily means it's true. This is the truth. Of a truth I say this. You know, Jesus attests to the truth of this statement before he makes it. Amen. Before he even makes it, he attests to the truth of it. And, and um, it, is, it is like saying, I promise, but doubling down on the promise with a double affirmation. Because he don't say it once, he says it twice. So it's a double affirmation. Amen. The, what the, I say to you, if you believe on me, the works that I do shall the believer do also. 
and greater than these shall you do. Amen. So it's with a double affirmation. And then he says, with a double affirmation, he says again, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. And he says again with this double affirmation, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Didn't we read these things today? These are from the eternal words of God that cannot change. Hallelujah. Now the word verily is the same word as amen. That's right. Actually, when you go back to the very Greek itself, the word verily is amen. It is amen, amen. It's an affirmation. This is true. This is true. I, I am affirming this is right. Mm-hmm. Amen. Now, so the reason, the reasons now that Christians say amen after someone reads the scripture or prays is because that it makes the substance of what was said their own. So when you say amen, you are making the substance of what was said your own. Hallelujah. And when God says something in his word and you say amen, amen, then that makes the substance of that word yours. Hallelujah. And when God says amen, he is saying this came from me. I am God. I don't lie. I tell the truth every time. I cannot fail. I cannot go back on the word. Times may change. People may change. Circumstances may change. But God can't change. God's desire is for us to have every promise. But you're going to have to make what the substance of what was said your own. Amen. Signs follow the believers. We're to have the Holy Ghost. We're to have his promised power. This generation is an evil generation. It is Laodicea. We're 2,000 years now removed from Calvary. And it's an age that has forgotten what God is like. You know, they have forgotten his power. They have forgotten his attitude toward the sick. And so Christians, many of them are living beneath their privileges. They forgot the supernatural. Many believers don't know the gifts of the Spirit nor its power. Oh, they may know the doctrine but hardly know the voice of God. You see, it has been so that the revival uh, or the cycle of revival and death you know, continues on. The scripture repeats itself. And you see a generation rises in revival only to go down into death. And so this cycle has been, actually, since the beginning, God would send a move of the Spirit of God, and then there would be the following generation would have maybe a, a little fragments of that, and then finally there would rise a generation that forgot God. And they would forget what he's like. They would forget what the God of miracles is like. You know, the, the, the Red Sea to Israel one day just became a story. You know, miracles just became a history. 
They forgot, and down through the years, they forgot more and more. And so it is with Christendom today. They have degenerated into a traditional and hopeless religious society without power, without God, without miracles, an age that is destitute of God. But now we're, we're approaching the end time. And if God's going to have a bride in this end time, he's going to have to do something. Now let me just say, when God releases a word, he can't take it back. Is that right? Amen. So if he said, I'll have a church and she'll be without spot or wrinkle, he's got to do what he said he's going to do. He cannot abandon his plan. He cannot change his mind. He cannot let an age come along that's so evil that he can't do it. He has to keep his word. If he said, I'll have a bride, he will have a bride. She will have to match him. She will be of his image. She will be of his kind. She will be of his genes. She will be of his life. She will be of his power. She will be all that he is. All you have to do is look at him and you'll see what his bride is going to be like. Hallelujah. Now, as the age, the end draws near in the last days, began to come upon the Laodicean age dawned. We see a very phenomena of God begin as God began to pour out his spirit and a little bit of light began to come through a bit more and more. Right down from Azusa Street, right down into the, the healing revivals, right on down to where we're at until now we have arrived at the end of another 2,000 years. And let me just say this is the final one. Preachers have preached about it. End times have been before us. End time in the days of Noah. End times in the days of Sodom. End time in the day of Jesus. When the Jewish system was done away with, it brought an end. But we're now here at the end of the Gentile dispensation. And so we are now at another end time. This is one of the most important times of all history. In fact, all of the scripture has been pointing to this hour and to this day, to the fulfillment of every divine prophecy, whether it was prophesied in Abraham's life, or Isaac's life, or Jacob's life, or Joseph's life, or, or even the women in the Bible, whether it's Ruth, or whether it's, um, or whether it's Rahab, or any of them, it's all pointing right down to this end time prophesying of an end-time church, an end-time people, an end-time bride. And yet we find ourselves in the Laodicean age. It's a Christ-rejecting age. But that didn't change anything. The day of the Lord is still at hand. If I, could, if I could just get something down into your heart again this morning, if we could just get down to the point again of, uh, of really believing that we're here in the end time. I tell you it calls a lot of the nonsense just to fade away. Amen. It would cause a lot of the divisions and the confusions to be forgotten. 
as your mind got centered on his coming. You'd forget a lot about the petty things in life and the ambitions of life wouldn't be so important as you begin to focus on his return. Amen. As you begin to look and realize we're in the day. We're in the age. This is the time. Now, you see there that as, as we see is coming drawing nigh, but yet there's something that is very basic and very all important that has not been done. The gospel of the kingdom, the word and power is to be preached unto all nations as a witness to all nations so the end can come. Jesus said so. He said this gospel must be preached. To do this, I wanted to say that it would take more than theology. It would take more than even miracles and divine healing. It would take more than a gift of tongues or interpretation and prophecy. It would take more than doctrine. But the book of title, the truths of the Bible, like neglected stones, would have to be gathered. And as Elijah did, restore the altar, the faith of the apostolic fathers. Even as Elijah restored the altar, so again we would come back to restored truth, a restored message with restored power. Amen. With the very life that was in Christ being on display in bride form. As we have there, when the bride will get back to being a word bride, she will produce the very works that Jesus produced. Amen. We are here. We have arrived. The coming of the Lord is at hand. But what is this gospel of the kingdom? The church has forgotten. It's a generation that's went, you know, where, where the, all many, although many are religious and sincere, many of them are hungry and seeking but they've forgotten what it was really like. They don't know what to expect. Amen. And this is a closing generation. And God had to do some specific things in this generation to draw our minds back to truth and to turn our hearts back to the fullness of that word. So something had to happen. It couldn't go on as past generation has gone on. And I want to just say it. We cannot repeat what other generations have done. We cannot just go back into death after receiving a revival. In fact, the matter is I point out often, we must be cycle breakers. We must be a people who are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord. A people who know their God and do exploits. A people there that not only have the mechanics and not only know the doctrines of the message, but the very life of God is flowing through that church. Amen. A church that's on fire. A church that's alive. A church where God dwells. Where we can say God is in his people. We're not talking about God in a building. We're not talking about God in a society. We're talking about God in his people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
This is the last age. Therefore, in God's divine mercy, somehow stepping beyond the bounds of ordinary measure, God having ordained at this hour to send again a prophet. It would be important. He would be in the spirit and the power of Elijah, which is the spirit of Christ. Now, let's just get it, let's just get it understood. Amen. You know, Elijah itself is not a spirit. No, it, it, the spirit that was on Elijah, that rests upon Elisha, was the anointing of Christ that was upon Elijah, that also was in a double portion upon Elisha. Right? Amen. So it's one Holy Spirit, but he's working in a specific way through a prophetic ministry to bring about a restoration. Are you with me now? So, again, he ordained in this hour to send again a prophet. And he would be in the spirit and the power of Elijah, which is the spirit of Christ, the Holy Ghost, performing as a restorer of truth and a demonstrator of power. I want you to know, friends, we have seen heaven open. Heaven is not closed to us today. We have seen angels step forth from that dimension. Pillar of fires come from that dimension. Messages from God coming from that dimension. Come on. Heaven has been opened to us. We're living in a very wonderful hour. and Don't you ever forget it. Because sometimes you can get overwhelmed with Laodicea and all the lukewarmness around you and forget there's a mighty God being unveiled. There's a mighty God revealing himself. And somebody's going to be the recipient of that revelation. And I say it might as well be me. Amen. Can't you say that this morning? It might as well be me. God's going to do it in somebody's life. Here I am, Lord. Let me be the body that you demonstrate your life through in this generation. Now, maybe this may seem like an irresponsible statement, but I want to say it anyway, because the world, this may seem way out, but they're saying some way out things, and they're doing some way out things. So I expect what I believe to be way out there. You know what Many of the people today speak about William Branham, his life and ministry, and they say, well, man, we never saw power like that. We never saw God move like that. We never saw it demonstrated on that level. But he got off at the end. Well, I'll just tell you, I got off with him. Come on, church. Amen. I'm not ashamed to say, yeah, he left every bit of that tradition behind. Amen. Yeah, he left the three God idea behind. Yeah, he left the Trinitarian doctrine behind. Amen. Their baptism and all the other creeds and dogmas of man. He left it all behind. If you're talking about that getting off, I got off with him. And here I am today. I'm glad I'm not a part of that. I'm glad to be identified with the word of God for this hour. 
Because in all truthfulness, you know, Noah was a good man too, but he got off. Really off. Enoch was a good man too, but he got off too. Moses had it going for him, but he got off. He could have been the next Pharaoh, but he got off. Amen. I remember as a little boy, preacher, you know, little woman there, she was a Baptist school teacher, and she came to me afterwards and said, son, go back to school. You got a gift in your life. You can be the next Billy Graham. I didn't want to be the next Billy Graham. I wanted to be God's servant. Come on, church. Amen. That's exactly what, what we want to be. We, we got off. We got off. We step off from Laodicea. We're not going their direction. We're not going their way. Amen. We're going God's way. The way of the Bible. The way of the Word. Come on. The way of Christ. Jesus was a great man too till he got off. He had a lot of miracles and signs and everybody loved him until he got off. But I got off with Jesus too. Hallelujah. Therefore, in this age, God in divine mercy somehow stepping beyond the bounds of ordinary measure began to do things in our generation. God, here's what I'm saying. That maybe some will think you're responsible. God came down again in human flesh. No, I'm not deifying William Branham and neither am I deifying ours or anybody other human being's flesh. But I want to say it again. God came down in human flesh. How through the baptism of the Holy Ghost, as he poured out his spirit, as, as he said to this age, I must show them again. After 2,000 years, after I've walked the shores of Galilee and I showed my attitude toward the sick. I showed my attitude toward an organized religion. I showed my attitude against those who turned against the word of God and would come back and say, but I say unto you, but I say unto you, and bringing them back to the word again. Come on, church. Amen. After doing that, here he's come in the last day to demonstrate his life again on earth. Doing what? Through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Coming in men and women. Changing lives. Empowering them. Commissioning them. Bringing them into a divine order. Under the order of Melchizedek. This generation must see once again what God is like. They must see his attitude toward his children. They must understand that they can be filled with the same Holy Spirit that filled Jesus. Come on. Amen. Not another Holy Spirit. The identical same Holy Ghost that was in Jesus can come back upon the believer Well, that they have the same spirit, the same life, the same Holy Ghost, the same deity living in him, them that live in Jesus Christ. I'm talking about some Jesus men and women. Hallelujah. I'm talking about some Jesus.
Jesus teenagers. Amen. Some Jesus women. Some Jesus men. Men and women that are filled with Jesus. With deity. With his own life. With his own power. Not the power of another. This is more than getting the spirit of a prophet. This is about getting the spirit of Christ. They must see what his attitude toward his children is. That they can be filled with the same spirit that filled Jesus. They must see and know his attitude towards sickness. That he heals all diseases. Amen. They must know his attitude toward the gifts of the spirit and demonstrate to us his great signs. So God would step down in a pillar of fire and send a little man, a prophet, but shall I say more than an Old Testament prophet this time, but a a man who was a Jesus man, a, a New Testament, a New Testament prophet. Amen. And, and it brings us back again to Bible days are here again. Can I resound that to you again this morning? Bible days are here again. Whatever you read in the Bible, that's yours. Whatever promise he makes in that word, that's yours. Whatever Jesus did is yours to do. His attitude toward the sick has got to be your attitude. Amen. His attitude toward the lost has got to be your attitude. Hallelujah. Brings us back to Bible days again. Not in a denomination, but in a New Testament church. A word church. We saw in that ministry, service after service, Time after time where God would discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. I'm going somewhere. Hang with me a minute. Let me just say it again. We saw in the ministry of William Branham. Because that's where we saw the ministry of Christ repeat. Service after service. Time after time. God would discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know, I was just recently at Sister Rachel. Shaw, her, her, her father, Brother Earl Williams, passed away, and I went to his funeral in Tucson. There, after the service, I shook hands with and spoke to Brother Al and Sister Minnie Peterson. In the sermon, Dr. Moses, Minnie Peterson went through the prayer line. She got in that prayer line because she was so worried about her nine-year-old half-sister, who had suddenly become paralyzed with a high fever. She was a stranger to Brother Branham when she stood before him in the prayer line. This is 1955. And he told her seven things. In that prayer line, you can hear it. It's on Dr. Moses. He said, you're standing here for someone else. That's one thing. Two, you're, it's your half-sister. Isn't that something? God knows details. I didn't say William Branham knows details. I said God knows details. He knows all about you. He knows where you are this morning. He knows how to find you. 
Amen. He knows what, oh my, you can't hide from him. Amen. You can't hide your life from him. He knows exactly who you are and what your situation is. It's for your half-sister who is ill with rheumatic fever. And your daughter is sick with a fever. And your son is sick. And your teeth need healing. Now I just say to you, what are the odds? Anybody else want to bring somebody up here and guess that many times and be correct? Wasn't a guess. It was the word discerning the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Now, why was that discernment shown so often and so abundantly? This was to show in us that it's the word that discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. And it was now returning. Amen. It was being set back in place into its right position by the Elijah ministry. Now, I'd like, to, I'd like to share this with you from the Patmos vision uh, that it said, but do you know that he's revealing the heart secrets of men and women in this age in which we are living? Let me tell you, I was a boy. I was in, I was in Jack Moore's church. I there was in that meeting. There was a man in that meeting. They called him at that time, Mr. Teenage America. He would take a Shreveport phone book and, he, you know, this was his bragging rights to power. And he would take and tear that in half before his audience. And that's where he was demonstrating his power. He's a teenage idol and whatever else. You remember him, don't you, Sister Barbara? Yeah. But I, I you know, I was there. Actually, I watched him tear a report phone book in two after the meetings. That's how I know. But anyway, in the meetings, Brother Branham is discerning, and the man sitting on the platform, a young preacher, and he turns over, you got some sin in your life there. You just was out. Oh, the man says, oh, God, forgive me. And the man says, never mind. Brother Branham said, never mind. He's just repented. what you've been doing how you've been acting the music you've been listening to what you're doing in secret the pornography you're viewing a God who knows who you are he got your number you can't hide from him hallelujah but who else as he said could reveal the secrets of the heart, but the word himself. Now, this is before, you know, this is, this is back when you had, you know, uh, microphones bigger than hot dogs. And, and, and the tiniest speakers was about this big around. So you couldn't have one hidden in the ear and somebody over here sneaking a word to you over here and telling on this and then that one. And, you know, like Popoff did, trying to impersonate. God, let this be done. Uh, what I just quoted to you was 1955. 
Not even an age of much, much technology at all. God wanting you to know. Something supernatural was being done. God was pointing to something he was doing in this age. He didn't just do it to show off. Oh, yeah, whistle. Somebody needs to rejoice in that. Amen. Even the babes will cry out. Amen. In Hebrews 4.12, here's the scripture. For the word of God is quick. Hallelujah. Amen. You know what that word means? Quick. It means alive. There was a preacher one time that was preaching away. I need this coat. Amen. He was preaching away. And he, he couldn't get nobody to listen to him. He threw his hat off and he covered it with his coat. And he was in a public square and he began to, he began to shout out, It's alive! Well, what he put in there under his hat was the Word of God. Amen. He laid his coat over it and he walks over there and said, It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! And everybody's going like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's alive. Yeah, this man's crazy. What in the world? And everybody's gathering around. He gets a big enough crowd around. He grabs his coat up like that, and he, and he shows his Bible, and he loses the microphone. <laughs> Amen. And he says, it's alive. The Word of God is alive. It's alive. And I want to tell you, it's still a living Word. It's alive. And what God did for you in this day, he uncovered that word. He took the covering of denominational theory off of it to show you the word is alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's full of power. There's healing in it. There's salvation in it. There's victory in it. There's glory in it. Amen. It's alive. It's a living word. It's not a dead creed. It's the word. Hallelujah. The word of God is quick. It's alive. And it's powerful. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even down to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow and the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Amen. The word is not a creed. The word is not a theology. It's not receiving the doctrine. It's receiving the life. Brother Bradham said it's the word. It's performing whereunto it was sent. For the word is full of power. It's the same spirit that was in Jesus. The word that is present again in the church in this last age. As a last sign trying to head the people off from judgment. For that for they that reject him, the word, are now ready, already coming to judgment. Crucifying him afresh. What's this now? Hebrews 6 and 6. What's the scripture? If they shall fall away to renew them again to repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. So if this age falls away, 
There ain't no hope for it. Because the last age is going to crucify him. Not the man of Galilee, the word. In other words, they will make the word of God ineffective in the pulpits. Now, they will crucify the effects of the word and put him to an open shame. Now, Paul said the word came in power as well as voice. The word preached actually demonstrated itself. Like a flaming cutting sword, it went into the consciousness of men. Like a surgeon's knife, it cut out the diseases and set captives free. (laughs) Amen. You just had that surgery. Praise the Lord. Amen. Isn't it wonderful to see Sister Lana get to sit in church with us? (laughs) Hallelujah. What did that? The word went forth as a flaming fire. Cut out that cancer. Because there can nothing stand before the power of this word. Hey, we're not talking about a dead creed. We're talking about a living God. A living word with a living power. Hallelujah. Everywhere those early believers went, they went preaching the gospel word. And God confirmed that word with signs following. The sick were healed. The devils were cast out. And they spoke with new tongues. That was the word in action. Hallelujah. That word, oh listen now, that word has never failed in the mouths of believing Christians. And in the last age, is anybody ready for this? Are we in the last age? In the last age, it is here stronger and greater than ever in the true word bride. Hallelujah. Say, well, God is with us, Brother Tim. Well, then where is his miracles? Amen. I'll tell you, God is with us. I can show you his miracles. Amen. Now, so he says, oh, you little flock, you little minority, hold on to the word. Fill your mouth and heart with it. And someday, God will give you the kingdom. Let me read it again because I want that kingdom. Amen. Oh, little flock, you little minority, hold on to the word. Fill your mouth with it and heart with it. And someday, God will give you the kingdom. Amen. Now, the prophecy said, as John the Baptist foreran the first coming of Christ. I want to ask you, how did John do this? Well, he went forth in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Is that right? And there on the Ohio River, it said... As John the Baptist was sent with the forerunner to forerun the first coming of Christ, you're sent with a message to forerun the second coming of Christ. So there was to be a message that would forerun his literal, physical return. Amen. Now, Brother Branham would tell us, as the Holy Spirit put up on his pen and spoken words, original seed, he said, my mission... I believe that God has called me far. My mission, I believe, to the earth 
is to forerun the coming word, the coming word, which is Christ. So he had a mission to forerun or to introduce Christ, the word. Now, listen, church, he cannot come to earth in a nail-scarred body. He cannot walk down your street and knock on your doors. The Bible said that the heavens must receive him until the times of restitution of all things. And until our bodies change, he's not going to walk this earth. In fact, we are not, he's not coming to earth when he comes for us. We're going to meet him in the air. Is that the Bible? That's where we're going to meet him is in the air. Amen. But. You see, he can come to earth in different forms. As he would walk with them on the way to Emmaus. And he comes in another form, the book of Luke says. And he begins to walk with them. So he's got to come now in order to have a bride ready to meet him. He's got to have them based back on the word of God. Not denominational theology. The word again. And to do that. The word is going to have to be preached again. What Paul preached. And from our pulpits, what Paul preached has got to be preached. Is that right? So what, where, he, where he baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, we do too. Amen. If he preached predestination, we do too. He preached about the beguilement of the serpent, we do too. Come on. Whatever he preached, we preach. If he forbid not speaking in tongues, we don't dare do it. If he forbid not prophecy, we better not dare do it. Amen. If he, if he did not forbid divine healing, we should not do it. We cannot turn around and say, well, it's just a minor and we don't need it because we got the major. No, we can't do that. If we got the major, we got to have the minor. We've got to have the full gospel. So my mission, I believe, is what? To forerun the coming word, which is Christ. Now, and in Christ, in him has the millennium and everything right there because he is the word. So, you know, we're living a time, it is as it was in Moses' day. This is another exodus. But it's a greater day than Moses. We're living in the days of Elijah. But it's a greater day than Elijah's. Amen. It's a greater day than any of the Old Testament. You know, sometimes you forget who you are. You say, oh my, to have, be a prophet like Elijah. Be a prophet like Moses. To be a prophet like, like, like they were in the Old Testament. No, the New Testament causes you to be greater than any of them in the Old Testament. So I just want to say to you, a greater than Moses is here. A greater than Solomon is here. Amen. Come on. A greater than Elijah is here. Somebody help me preach now. Well, I'd like to have some scripture for you. Well, let's talk about John the Baptist. Jesus said he was the greatest born among women. He said he's the greatest prophet. Because, you know, Elijah worked miracles. He raised the dead. He opened up rivers. He, he, he did a lot of great miracles called fire down from out of heaven. Moses did great miracles. Amen. But John was greater. 
Why? Why was John greater? He introduced the Messiah. They performed miracles. He introduced the Messiah. Amen. Now, I'd like you to, I'd like you to, to, to read with me in Luke chapter 7, verse 28. For I say unto you, I mean, believe the words of Jesus. I say unto you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. So that ought to settle it. Here's the greatest prophet of all, John. Because God's coming up to a great climax. Is somebody with me? But let's finish that. But he that is the least in the kingdom. How many feels like the least? Raise your hand. Raise it high. You feel like the least. Well, I got some news for you. But he that is the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. Hallelujah. You're great. Listen, as a New Testament church, you're greater than the Old Testament saints. They were only a shadow and under blood of the bulls and goats, but you're under the blood of the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. It don't cover your sin. It annihilates sin. It puts you back in speaking condition again. Elijah was not a Jesus man. He might have been anointed, but the Old Testament blood could not take away sin nature. So God could not indwell the soul. So this is greater than Moses. More than Moses. God's prophet in this day, that was more than a Moses. This is more than even Elijah. But sin is a special sign to this generation, a supernatural sign. An extraordinary measure. Now, when we talk about that, we talk about what is a Jesus man. I'm not talking about a Jesus freak with long hair and a beard and a robe. Going around claiming he's got nail scars or whatever else. I'm talking about men and women empowered by the life and the spirit of Jesus. That we could say what was said of Elisha, the spirit that was upon Jesus, just rest upon him. Amen. That just as Elisha took mastery over the river that day, even so, we take mastery over sin, over unbelief, over fears, over doubt, over sickness, or whatever. Amen. That we need mastery over, we take mastery over it. Come on. Oh, church, we ought to realize today, I'm not a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm not a slave to sin. I'm a child of God. I'm not a slave to man's theology. I'm a child of God. Hallelujah. I'm not a child of the bondswoman. I'm a child of the free woman. I have never been Satan's. I always belong to God. Oh, yeah, he tried to put a claim on my life, on your life. But as far as belonging, he never had ownership. He was only a squatter for a while. But I'll tell you, the blood of Jesus Christ has kicked him off. And I'm not a slave to fear. And I'm not a slave to sin. And I'm not a slave to unbelief. I'm not a slave even to sickness. The Bible said God has not given us a spirit of fear. But the spirit of love and a power and a sound mind. What is that sound mind? It's a disciplined mind. It's a mind that is taught 
when things happen, when things go wrong, you go back to the Word of God. Amen. No matter what the doctor said. Man, I, I go back to it again when my wife was in the ICU room and I stood there with my, my children. She'd had a brain bleed, stroke there in, in a spot of the brain. Listen, it was a serious thing. And when I stood there in that room that day, and I stood there, I said, we've been trained for moments like this. We know what to do in moments like this. We're not to fear, and we're not to disbelieve. We are to believe. We have been trained to believe that all things are possible. And out of that faith, I begin to speak. And that's exactly what you got to have is a disciplined mind. Because the spirit of fear is going to try to come. He tried to come on me. He'll try to come on you. Amen. That's the way he comes. He comes in with his fear. And fear hath torment. Amen. But I'm not a slave to fear. And I'm not a slave to his torment. Come on. Amen. I don't have to take the weapons that Satan wants to pour out. Amen. I'm not a slave of his. I'm a child of God. Amen. I can have a disciplined mind and cast down fear and reason and believe God's word. And I believe there's a people on earth right now that is casting down their unbelief, casting down their fear, casting down man-made theology that comes along and said, God was yesterday but not today. Or you can have the Holy Ghost back then, but you can't have it today. time we come back to a word birth the only kind that the word can bring forth amen the kind with an experience amen let me just tell you let me tell you you're greater you're greater than John that sounded pretty good didn't it huh that sounded pretty good the leasing kingdom is greater than he let me take you to another one let me just read it to you from first John 4 and 4 Let's look at this. You are of God. That ought to be enough to cause you to shout right there. You shouldn't have to have anything else to make you shout. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. And even if you haven't yet, you're going to because he said you would. And his word can't fail. Come on. Where is that mountain in front of your face? Where is that situation? Where is that problem that's so high? That problem that's so big. You've been fearing about how you're going to get over it. Quit fearing and realize you've already overcome it because he overcame it for you. Are you with me now? He overcame it for you. He's going to do in you exactly what he did in his own body. When he met sin, he overcame it. When he met the devil, he overcame it. When he met sickness, he overcame it. When he met death, he overcame it. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. And here's the reason why. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. I'm talking to a people today that greater is he that is in you. Greater is this Holy Ghost that is in you than the world out there. 
So who is this uncircumcised Philistine that wants to challenge the children of the living God? Who is that devil that wants to say, you got to leave your children behind? I've got a word from you. The word is, let my people go. Hallelujah. The devil that was holding Anita had to let go the other day. The devil that was holding Pamela back there had to let go the other day. Come on. Because there's been a message. There's been a word released that said, let my people go. And greater is he that is in this bride than he that is in the world. Though the vision tarry, it must come to pass. Amen. Because the word cannot return unto him void. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Amen. God sent a forerunner. It was to be before his second coming. Why was it done? Why do it again? He needed to arouse this last generation. He said, if I didn't, I'd just have to wipe the whole earth off with a curse. I'd have to forget the whole plan. I'd have to give up on it. But I'm not giving up. I'm going to have that bride. There's going to be a rapture in the Laodicean age. Right here, oh glory, under your nose, devil. You know, when Moses was a little boy, born, the devil said, I'll destroy every one of the kids. And the devil's decided in this day he's going to destroy our kids. He'll bring our age of technology he put pornography right at their fingertips. He'll put, hey, it isn't movies in a theater anymore. It's movies on your iPhone. It ain't television in your house. It's all the horrid stuff that you bring in. The filth and the violence, the cursing, the immorality. People's letting... Immoral things happen in their living room. Sit there, you know, and celebrate the God of sports. You know, and cheer your team. They bring out, you know, their beer. Maybe not in your house, but in your house on the television. Naked women. Come on, you you don't even have to go to a porn site. Just walk out on the street. Turn on the television. Open up, the, open up anything just about. It's there. Magazines. Come on, somebody. Amen. So the devil would say, I'm going to, I tell you, I'll do things to destroy the young people. I'll give them a, a, some rock and roll songs about Jesus. And let them begin to feed on rock and roll. And I'll, I'll slip him this way and I'll slip him that way and I'll contaminate him this way and I'm not going to let him go. But there is a word that has went forth 
where Almighty God gave a message. And that message says, let my people go. And I'm going to tell you, young people, the devil can't hold you down. They can't keep you down. God's going to have an elect young people in this evil age rise up in this generation. God's going to have young people. God's going to have real parents. God's going to have, why, they're just going to be Jesus men and women. Hallelujah. So you see, that's what he would do in the days of Moses. He'd take Moses. The devil said, I'll destroy the kids. You're not taking them. Moses said, we're not leaving a hoof behind. Before that, Moses comes along. He's a baby born, a special child. The devil knows he's coming. And the devil knows you've been coming. Hallelujah. Do you realize when there's billions of abortions have taken place in your generation, you escaped? The devil was trying to kill you before you could even be born. Come on. Create a society of evil that you wouldn't even be here. But you're here. Are you with me? And so he comes along the very same thing there with Moses going to going to try to destroy the man-child before he's born. And when, you know, as soon as he's born, we'll kill him. We'll feed him to the crocodiles. God says, dumb devil, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll let you raise this child. You think I'm afraid of you and your kingdom and your power? You think you can contaminate a seed of God so far that I can't bring him out? You think you can put him and cram him full of education and scientific knowledge and everything so far that he won't believe God anymore? I got news for you. I'll tell you what I'll do, dumb devil. I'll just send him down the Nile to you and you will raise him and clothe him and feed him and and educate my son until I'm ready to use him. Hallelujah. Amen. And so right under the nose of the devil, Moses raised up and right in the face of Satan's Eden. There is a bride rising up who is the anointed bride for this hour, anointed to tear Satan's kingdom down. Now, it was done before, but it had to be done again. God would have to demonstrate it again, turn our hearts back to faith. It would need to be a forerunner once more to make sure the record's clear, to make sure that all we were all without excuse, to be sure, to be sure that God has demonstrated Himself afresh, that, that there can be no mistake, that we can be reminded of how God is like. And what God does in the flesh. Somebody help me preach now. Amen. You know why? Because we are the generation that have the responsibility of bringing back the king. Is that right? Amen. So we, we must without a question know what he's like. 
We must know what his work is that must be done. We must know what kind of minister that there must be in this day. Amen. We must know how to perform and how to execute his promises. What we are to do, how we are to act. That, that this generation would be without excuse, beyond measure. Now, it was to be a forerunner for the second coming of Christ. Now, the Pentecostals in the church world did not want to accept him as having the Elijah anointing. You know why? Because all they wanted was a reformation for their denomination. You know, revival in our little denomination. And they didn't want a restoration of the word because that messes up their creeds. You know, they would have to repent of their false baptisms. Uh, the, uh, the, false ba- uh, the false thought that everyone that has the Holy Ghost speak in tongues when the Bible said, all oh, don't speak with tongues. Amen? Now, so you know, that's one side of it. All speak with tongues and the other side forbids it. There's got to be somebody in the middle. Amen. That believes the whole word. Come on. But because they didn't want, they didn't want, oh my, they didn't want a, a, a restoration. They wanted only a reformation. So they wanted to deny that Elijah was to come. But at the same time, they wanted to say, they wanted to be the beneficiaries of the miracle signs, wonders, healing, and get inspired by that without having to have their hearts turned back to faith again. Now, so, but I want you just to remember the prophecy that was 85 years ago now on the Ohio River in 1933. And I want you to remember, God and for God is promise. And he said, as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ, you were sent with a message to forerun the second coming of Christ. Is that right? So you see, this was, this was said there then. This was, this was the initial word that, that God was doing something extraordinary in our generation. Now, again, in 1946, it was said again and again by the Pentecostals themselves as they spoke in tongues and interpreted in the meetings. Time after time, I'm not talking about one time, I'm talking about multiple times. Men who had never heard of this prophecy stood up and spoke in tongues and another's, hey, this is not something that I'm saying. It's not just something on tape. It's something you can go to the book Man Sent from God and where the Pentecostals themselves wrote it. Said this happened in the meetings. God did something very extraordinary. Men who didn't know each other stood up on the platform, spoke in tongues. Another man stand, in the, stand up in the audience and interpret and say, as John the Baptist. If, I, if any Pentecostals are listening to me right now, let me tell you, this was said by your prophecies. This was said through your church. This was when God was moving there. Come on. Amen. And it would come time after time, not once, but time after time through men and women of that dispensation 
as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ. Sister, Sister Stanky, do you remember Anna Schrader? Yeah, Anna Schrader. In Brother Branham's meetings in Oklahoma back in the 1940s, stood up in his meetings when Brother Branham went to Tulsa, spoke in tongues and interpreted, and out of her lips came. This woman was known as a prophetess among the Pentecostal circles. And she stood up and prophesied as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ. You're sent with a message to forerun his second coming. Amen. Even Tommy Osborne, and you can hear, you know, I can show you places where he, he himself heard this very thing. He said, when I sat in Portland, Oregon, and I sat in, in that meeting, he said, I didn't hear a voice. It wasn't external, but something way down in my soul welled up. And it said, as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ. You're sent with a message to forerun the second coming of Christ. What was it? It was God speaking to this generation, placing something for them. Yet, you know, then, then they come down and Kenneth Hagin and different ones come along at the end and say, well, he had the sin of Dowie. He thought he was Elijah. Well, let me just read what the Bible said about John. Let's look in Luke chapter 1 and verse 17. If it was as John the Baptist, then let's see how John the Baptist come. And he shall go before him, speaking of the Messiah, in the spirit and power of Elias. So if he's going to come as John the Baptist, he would come in the spirit and the power of Elijah. To do what? To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and, may, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. To make ready. Here's the Elijah ministry, the John the Baptist ministry. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Hallelujah. That was the ministry. And that's what God was saying. As John the Baptist, how did John do it? In the spirit and power of Elijah. Amen. What was he to do to turn the hearts? And what was that purpose to turn the heart? To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I'll tell you, my heart's being prepared. I'm being made ready for his coming. Now that's what Elijah did by showing the power of God and demonstrating in such a way they would know it wasn't a trick. So God let this be done before there was microphones and little tiny microphones and little earbuds and everything. God let it be done. And he would do it not one time, not two times, but thousands upon thousands. And it was always accurate. Right down to the detail. Right down to names and addresses. Down sometimes, you know, the address would be told and a person said, well, he missed it there. Went to talk to him and said, hey, he missed your address. No, he didn't. I moved last night. Hallelujah, because God is a long time God. He's not a God of yesterday, he's a God of today. He's a God of the now. So he can know, he moved yesterday. Didn't tell his old address, told his new one. Come on church. 
Amen. What was God showing, demonstrating in such a way we would know it wasn't a trick. Oh, we've been tricked into something. This was really happening. Amen. Now, Elijah rebuilt the altar. He would place the stones back in their original position. And he would dig out the ground and uncover the forgotten stones. Remember? He would then douse the altar with fire because he'd said, let the God that answers by fire be God. So he wanted to show them this is no trick. I ain't fooling you. See, baptize it with water. Let's read the account of it. It's in 1 Kings 18 and verse 1, or 30, 18:30. Now Elijah said to, unto all the people, come near unto me. And all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been broken down. And we've had 2,000 years of breaking down the altar of God. Until people didn't know it. There's one, two, three gods. How to baptize, whether to immerse, whether to sprinkle, what, what to do. And you got 40,000 different denominations that are built here and there. But somebody's got to build the original altar back. Amen. If you want God to come down and, and, and honor it, you've got to build the, the original altar. He ain't going to come down on a new altar of Baal. That had already been shown. They had all shouted all day. They had emotion. They had their dances. They had their song fest. They had the rock and roll. They had the cutting of their, with their lances. They did everything to show they were sincere. And God didn't come. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob unto whom the word of the Lord came saying Israel shall be thy name and with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. Now it wasn't in the name of the denomination. This is going to carry his name. And he made a trench around the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order. Now watch what he did. He starts laying things in his place. All right, the wood. Now, and he puts the wood in order. He cuts the bullock in his place. And laid him on the wood. And he said, fill four barrels with water and pour on it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. So I want you to know what he does. He puts Calvary, the cross, back in its right place again. The sacrifice. And our faith is taken off on a church saving you. Because ain't no denomination ever bled for you. And he puts our faith back on the cross. Come on now. Upon what Jesus did. That our sins are gone. Hallelujah. Amen. That he became the sacrifice that you could be whole while he was blemished and cut and became your transgression. Somebody help me preach now. Amen. Said, fill four barrels with water, pour on it on the burnt sacrifice on the wood. What was he doing? Showing this is no gimmick. Amen. God wants you to know in this generation, this is not a gimmick. He wants you to have somewhere to put your faith in. This is not a hit and miss. Amen. 
And he said, do it the second time. They did it the second time. Do it the third time. They did it the third time. The water ran around the altar and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. And here we are in the evening time again. Hallelujah. That Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and I have done all these things at thy word. He had done it by vision. Come on. He didn't go to the theologians and find out how to do it. He didn't lay the altar according to what other men had done and how they said do it. Come on. He didn't go look at Matthew Henry and see if this was the right way. He didn't go to Schofield and say, oh, now we got to do it this way. What did he do? By vision. Amen. I've done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people might know that I am the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Amen. Amen. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Hallelujah. What was it? God vindicating his word. Amen. What was, what was Elijah doing? Bringing a message to turn their hearts back to faith again. What did John do as Elijah? Turning the hearts of the people away from religion and theology back to the word again. Malachi 4, 5. Behold, I send unto you Elijah the prophet. This is the closing of the Old Testament. The last word of promise given. I'll send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. In verse 1, he tells us it would burn with fire. It would burn as an oven. And before the fire falls, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet. Before the coming of that great and terrible day, before the atomic fire falls, I'm going to send Elijah. And what will happen? And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children. And John did this. He turned the heart of the Orthodox fathers to receive the children of the day of of Pentecost. But at the end time, it must be done again. And the heart of the children to the fathers to turn the children's heart back to Pentecost. Oh God, my heart's been turned. It's been turned back to the original gospel, the original word, the original power, the original Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody, the original baptism, the original doctrine, the original word, the original seed. Are you with me? And all we have to do, he said, as he said, I'm going to do this lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Unless I just have to wipe it off, I'm going to have to bring a restoration. I'm going to have to turn people's heart back to the word again. Now, denominations have their gimmicks. They have their song fest to get attention. They have their programs to get attention. They have their, you know, their, their, their new um, church that you can dress and live and do any other way. You know, the, uh, you, you know, come as you are church. What do they call them? 
Say it again. Sample church. Better name sinful church. But God promised. Before I come again. There's going to be some hearts turned back. To the original faith. And anointed with the same spirit. That was upon Jesus. Come on it's time for an Elisha people. Amen. It's time for a, a people prepared to rise. And take that mantle. That handed to him and smacked the river and saying, where is the God of Elijah? Amen. You say, well, Brother Tim, we don't have no right to the mantle of Elijah today. Okay, well, then I'll just settle for the robe of Jesus. Come on. Amen. Because the same thing happened when Jesus went away. After he ascended, down came the mantle. Down came the robe. Down came a double portion. Down came the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Now I'm preaching to some people that have got the mantle, the robe of Jesus. That the works that Jesus did, you shall do also. The anointing that was on Jesus is upon the bride. The works that Jesus did, the bride does. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That mantle Type the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Let me just share just with you a couple of quotes. Jesus told the church, these things that I do shall you do also and more than this. A double portion of this. And they went up to the day of Pentecost, scared, powerless, helpless, waited after the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, and who he threw back, sent back down from heaven the very same power. The very same robe that he wore come back and fell on the church. The Holy Ghost, the robe. Amen. Oh, I'm preaching to a people that are dressed in the robe of Jesus. That the mantle, the robe that was upon him has come upon his bride. Amen. And more than this shall you do. A double portion. Amen. Because I'm going to be in a body. A multi-member body. Hallelujah. He would say it this way, a type of the church following Jesus, seeing his power, seeing his miracles. A beautiful church, type of the church who's come down through the Lutheran age, through the Methodist age, through the Pentecostal age, and now crossing the Jordan. And the same baptism of the Holy Ghost that he had on him fell on the Pentecostal people. Hallelujah. There's your double portion. Amen. Brother Branham would tell us in making the valley full of ditches, he said, why you people who claim to kiss the rim of the cup of the golden blessings of God, who could sit still in such a day? When you got a devil portion among you, where is the God that was on Jesus Christ? Where's he at? The one who knew the thoughts of the people's mind, the ones who did this and that and the other. And he said, the things that I do shall you do also. The baptism that I'm baptized with, you will be baptized with the same. And a double portion shall come. Hallelujah. Where is the God that was on Jesus Christ? Can I say it this morning? He is here. He's right here in Menden, Louisiana. Sweeping over this building right now. Amen. The same Holy Ghost. 
The same Jesus, the same pillar of fire, right here to heal us, to deliver us, to build us, to bring back the backslider, to reach out and get the, the, the prodigal that is straight away, no matter how far your way you went, to deliver you of alcohol, cigarettes, dope, whatever it is, and fill you with deity, with a power from on high, with overcoming power and an overcoming life. He's right here, the same Holy Ghost. And Brother Brandon would say, the trouble of it is, you felt it. And you know his presence is here, but you're afraid to turn it loose. I say, turn it loose this morning. Let your faith go. Come on. Amen. Let it reach out and claim that promise. Turn it loose. He would say again, the Elijah the prophet, the old prophet represented Christ. Elisha, the young prophet, followed him across Jordan. When he came back, he had a double portion. And the church followed Christ to Calvary. And the mantle of Christ fell down with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And Jesus said, these things that I do shall you do also. And greater than this shall you do more because I go to my Father. Amen. Where is the God of Jesus Christ? Where is the God that made this promise in the Bible? We need more Elishas. Amen. We need more believers on it. We need more believers in truth because there's been so many twists and creeds and things. It's an uncertain sound to you, but I'm trying to tell you, get back to the Bible. Don't let nobody hear this prophet say, don't let nobody tell you the days of miracles is past. Don't let nobody tell you the Holy Ghost ain't just the same as it ever was. Don't you let nobody tell you that Jesus is not alive. And right here in this church, doing the same thing he did, there's no uncertain about it. He promised it. Hallelujah. I'd say tonight, today, where are those Elishas? Where are those men and women that have received that coat? Come on. Amen. Receive that same coat, that same Holy Ghost that enshrouded Jesus, that anointed him. Amen. That can walk up to their river. That can walk up to that obstacle. Amen. Can walk up where that unsaved loved one is, where that sickness is in the body, where that problem is in the soul, where that, that young person is straight away. And you take that, that Holy Ghost and you look at your obstacle and you strike it. Strike it with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Because the God of Elijah is here this morning. He's here forever, son of God, to take what has been given to him and strike that river. Strike that river. Strike that obstacle. Strike that sickness. Strike that disease. Strike that sin. Strike that unbelief. And see the glory of God and the river open up. And the God of Elijah show himself to you the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because God's got an anointed people. God has an anointed pride who's anointed with his life and with his power. The spirit that was upon Jesus Christ rests upon this bride. 
She's a word bride. And when she, the bride, will get you back to being a word bride. A word bride has healing in it. A word bride has power in it. A word bride does not deny the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. The word bride is emotional. Amen. The word bride has something real in their soul. There's a shout out of their life. There's an amen that comes out of them. And when they say amen, they're taking that word and say, that's my word now. That's my word now. That's my promise now. It's nothing but the truth. And God moves on the scene for you. He's here to move on the scene for you this morning. Now this is what I say. If we repent and we're baptized in his name, we have to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's impossible for God to lie. It's impossible for God to lie. We got Anita here this morning. She called me the other day from a hospital. I'm flat on my back, Brother Tim. I can't even get out of the bed. But God's got me here for a purpose. I know it. And he's been speaking to me. The only way she could look was up. And she began, when she began to look up, she said, I couldn't reach a cell phone. I couldn't reach a remote for TV. I couldn't do nothing. And all I could do is turn my eyes on Jesus. And when I got my eyes on him, his word began to open up to me. And he began to bring me back to him. Hey man, what is that? That's God reaching out, saving to the uttermost. No matter how far down in the gutter you've been, not for how far astray you've been. At the same time, here's our sister Powell here. Her brother just died in a drowning accident. But she's determined not to let the taking of his life be just a tragedy. But out of the taking of that life, there come a victory. And she's here today to take on the name of Jesus Christ. To belong to him from this day on. To leave sin and darkness behind to be anointed with the same spirit that anointed Jesus Christ. I want those two to come down to the altar right now. If they will, please come down right this moment. Let the musicians come, please. He's here this morning for you, for your need. Speak to your heart. Sister Pamela here was a my daughter, Brother McGowan, they're a believer. God called him home some days ago. It's been several years ago now. I wandered far away from God. Now I'm coming home. Here's two coming home. Hey, these are answers to your prayers. This is a word of prophecy that was given in this church. That there would be those like this that would come to themselves. And the angel of God is starting to trouble the waters. 
You know why we built this building? Because we needed to make room. We were making room. Making room for the prodigals to come back home. You're not only here, but you brought your children with you. And I believe that my God's big enough not only to save you, but your household. The promise is unto you and your children. (laughs) And no matter how far off they've been, as many as the Lord our God shall call. And you know I didn't call you. You know God called you. You know God's been revealing himself to you. That same God is going to fill you with his Holy Spirit. We're going to pray with you right now. Give me your hands right now. In Jesus' name. Lord, as these souls have come to you today. You said as many as come to me, I will in no wise cast out. You draw them. You move upon their souls, Lord. I pray, dear God, that you will just come in a great way today. That as we baptize them with water, you baptize them with the Holy Ghost. That the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in them. In Jesus' name. Heal their bodies, Lord. Save their souls. Fill them with the Holy Ghost. Set them on fire for not only their house, but their household. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm coming home. Coming home. Never more to Rome. Your Roman days are over now. I wandered far away from God. I've wandered far away from God. Let the Holy Spirit just move over your life. Just use it right now. now I'm coming. I'm coming home. The path of sin. Great way off. His arms are open today. 
It's His mercy. It's His grace. Amen. It's the God rich in mercy. Welcome home. Welcome home, children. Church, it's time for celebration. Time to kill the fatted calf. It's time to get your dancing shoes on. This is the first of many. There's many more coming just like these. Amen. Hallelujah. There's many more coming home. Amen. His grace is sufficient. His power is real. Hallelujah. We claim it for every one of our loved ones, Lord. We claim it for those children that have strayed afar off. We, we know what the devil has tried to do to them, what sin has done. But we know of a God rich in mercy and grace. We love you for it, Lord, today. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Get your things. Go back out to the double doors. The deacons will show you where to go. All right. to stay.